Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. This is how I'll open the show. Dave and Who will talk some flicks. That's all I have at this point. I don't think it really jives with the beat of the actual open of this podcast, but that's okay, Dave. I was thinking Gary Shandling, and those of you that go back far enough can know the joke. I do not. <laughs> Gary Shandling so. show. He uh, who, he co-wrote it with somebody. I got to come up with a theme song. This is the theme to Gary Show. We thought about this, and it was pretty basic and straightforward, but it was unique. And that they were always songs about the character. This is a song about the show, about the guy, which was unheard of at that point. So it kind of had a little rhythm to it. And it was fun. We're almost done with Gary's song because now we're going to start the show. It was, eh, it's, my joke is flying over your head. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's okay. I think there might be people who are listening, though, who will get the joke. I know what, exactly what he it, means. So. I love that show and the yep. song was awesome. That's right. So it works okay because I, I think there will be some people <laughs> who will who will understand that. So. We've got our own groovy kind of retro 70s vibe for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Dave Brooks. I'm Joel Hoover. And even though they're not open, we're sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. But someday soon, it'll be safe to go back to the movies and they'll be open with popcorn and great shows ready for us all. That's right. Located on Highway 2, just down from the airport here in Bemidji. And we're looking forward to returning and getting to go back. So it's a 70s thing then, that uh, that open. It's kind of got a, I don't know, retro-y, funky vibe, 70s, okay. you know. Somebody, somebody with those big giant headphone muffs on their head with the giant antenna going up listening yeah. to the radio, jogging with those giant sweatbands on their wrist, you know, 70s. Okay. Think Starsky and Hutch. There you go. Perfect. There you All go. right. And that's that for a segue into uh, something topical before we get into our topic for the day. Uh, you know, when theaters are going to open, and depending on where you are in the country, some theaters are already open, but what are they showing? Well, a lot of older movies, because there's not a lot of newer movies, and the newer movies coming out keep getting pushed, keep getting pushed, keep getting pushed. So even the last episode we talked about, Tenet got moved a couple of days. Now it got moved in a month into August, and even that asterisk, you know, will it hold that date? And that was the line in the sand they kept saying, you know, well, if it doesn't open here... We're not going to even try to put another movie out until Christmas. And then they moved it to August and so on and so forth. It's so. been like two weeks at a time yep. that the movie keeps on getting moved back. It's just, it, it's very slight stuff. Well, they moved it like was it two weeks and then they were going to put Interstellar back in the theaters. Is Inception. that still happening? Inception, that's right. Is that still happening or have they pushed that too? I haven't heard any changes to the contrary as far as that goes, but I'll have to I'm not really listening because I don't think it matters. Okay, we're going to open tomorrow. Okay, guys, the, the pandemic's still on. We're going to open up a couple of weeks. Okay, guys, we're going to push it a little. I don't think there's any point in putting any kind of date on anything until you start hearing, okay, guys, the pandemic cure has finally reached vaccine form and it's coming. I think at that point, you can start lining up your ducks in a row and 2021 or whenever is going to be jocked full of all kinds of great shows. 
As far as what I'm seeing here, there are no adjustments to Inception be- coming out on the uh, 17th like okay. it was still being being planned to in place of what they were going to do with Tenet. Well, in Bemidji Theater, I mean, they were going to open July 1st. They've pushed that back. So all of these things you just have to be very, very flexible with because with everything going on, you got to figure this out on the fly. And uh, will they stick to those dates? I would take those with a big, giant grain of salt and a napkin around your neck because it's going to... It's going to change almost by the minute, almost by the day, uh, as to what's going to open, what movie's going to release. Quite honestly, and there was a poll taken actually nationally. A lot of audience members are thinking, I'd love to go back and I'd love to go see a show in 2021. I'm not even going to push it this year. And I'm on that list too. I can't wait to go back to the movies. I would love to go see a lot of these older movies back on the big screen. Like Jaws was back on the big screen. I've never seen it on the big screen. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie, but it's a lot, and uh, I've never seen it on the big screen. I think I would jump higher if I saw that fake-looking shark, <laughs> Bruce, attacking me right. on the big screen, Yep. but I'm not going to go, not until this is for real done, So, and that kind of is a double-edged sword. You're going to be safe, but you're missing out on, yeah, but I'm going to be safe, so, eh. Yeah, that's, I think... I, I, a feeling that a lot of people share, like you were saying. A, a lot of people have been feeling that way. But there are a lot of people who want to go, well, how do we get this resumed and rolling again? It is going to have to be kind of incremental as far as being socially distant within the theaters, wearing a mask when you go to the theater, doing things like that. Can you go back and do those things? Yeah, it can be done. But it's going to really come down to personal choice. And if you go... You do have to be considerate. You've got to be considerate of other people if you are planning to go. You know, bring your mask along with you. Uh, think about where are you sitting. You know, what kind of precautions are you personally taking on that? Being a little bit extra considerate is going to have to be the way to go when and if you are able to return to to theaters in person. Taking a little bit of that into account will have to happen automatically. But can until it be, there's a can vaccine, it be done right? Can it I'm be not... done this year? It's it's hard to say because um, I think people want to get it resumed. I mean, the the movie calendar has been moved back already, and and there's still planning going on for future movies. I mean, that's uh, you're seeing new project ideas that are coming up every couple of days and stuff. At some point, the goal here is let's get this resumed and rolling again. But you were about to go into talking about a vaccine. Until we get to that point, it's it's going to be touch and go. Yeah. Well, you, you hope you're... Without you your, touching. <laughs> yeah, you pin your hopes on consideration even before the pandemic. How many inconsiderate people do you run across in a movie theater talking on the phone, which is rare, but it does happen. More often than not, somebody pulling out their phone and texting or checking the time or whatever, and there's a big bright glow from somewhere in the seats, numerous spots. But even with the pandemic going on, wear your masks. How many times do you see people on top of other people Nobody wearing a mask, nobody anything, and all of a sudden everyone's jaws drop when all of a sudden the pandemic hits hard in that same spot. You've got it coming. Just this last week, uh, social circles going around not taking you know precautions right here in Beltrami County, nailed with a coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's a matter of time. So to go to the movie theater and assume people are going to do what they need to do, I don't hold much of hope on that at all because you see that example. I hate to say it, it's everywhere. If everyone did what they were supposed to do and wore their masks, this would be pretty well licked. Case in point, look at just about any country other than ours. That's probably why hockey is going to continue in Canada 
and not in the U.S. Because Canada one handled it much, much better than we did. It's one reason. Smaller population is that another too. reason too. But I mean, the, those are still cities that, yeah. that those that that's taking place in. So, anyway, we uh, we continue to wait and we continue to see adjustments getting made as well. So. Um, we'll we'll continue to update as there are major updates to be given because really oh, yeah. at this point it's just kind of the same thing each each time that we come back here with the podcast as far as it's getting moved back a little bit but we're getting a little bit closer though at the same time. So. Have no fear, movies will make a comeback. Yeah, comebacks. That's right. See what I did there? Yeah, like that. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> we're talking today topically about comebacks. What do we think should make a comeback in movies? Um, this is a pretty general topic. It's kind of like our Fix It series a little bit, a little Dave. Bit. We've we've come up in the past with um, with a series of episodes on what would we fix in the movies. This is a little bit more specific to what do we think should come back in in movies or surrounding movies. What do we think needs to come back around that has maybe been in place previously? Whether it's a genre, whether it's an actor or actress, yeah. whether it's a director, whether, whatever it is, something that was in fashion kind of went out, but we think, in our own opinion, is due for some sort of a comeback. Dave, you suggested this to me yesterday, and it was funny because I had a conversation with a friend just the other day um, when there a movie was paused, like there was a break in the movie, and, and this person had said to me, you know, it'd be funny, it'd be kind of nice if we had like intermissions in the middle of the movie to go get your popcorn or maybe go to the bathroom or things like that. And I reminded him, I was like, there were a lot of movies that had intermissions back in the 50s and 60s where they you would take a break. And I, I told this person about my experience when I got to go see Lawrence of Arabia in theaters and how they did bring back a 15-minute intermission for that those movie. those were like three-hour movies. Right. If you watched it straight yeah. through... I mean, some people complain about the epics now. When they did the last Lord of the Rings movie, that was darn near three hours long. Why wasn't there an intermission there? Even me, Super Bladder Man, and by the end of the movie, I'm sitting here on code full red alert mode. Oh, the boy. dam is ready to go, and it has three endings to it. That would have been a great spot for you know for uh, an intermission, thir- you know, 15 minutes or whatever, and maybe during that time, Gollum pops up during the intermission. It's not time yet. Go get popcorn or something fun. Make them interesting for those that don't go. But I think a lot of people, whether it's getting a snack or going to the bathroom or you know just stretching your legs, three hours is a long wait. I think Gollum talking to the audience would be a little bit unnerving. <laughs> All of a sudden, Peter Jackson is kicking up. Why didn't we do that? Yep. He totally Circus could have totally pulled that off. So when you brought up the idea of <laughs> things coming back, it was funny because it reminded me of that and it reminded me of... Of, of how that whole conversation had come up here just recently about something coming back. But I don't know if necessarily intermissions should come back. Maybe in some cases they should. But if you've got something over X number of minutes, you know, if it's a two and a half hour movie, a three hour movie, eh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's a thought. You yep. know, find a good spot to put in a break you know, between act minutes. two and three or whatever. Yeah, something like that 10 minute intermission. Just enough time to run to the bathroom, get a free fill in your popcorn, and remember. That's how movie theaters generally make their money, not Correct. on ticket sales. They get something like, what, a dollar off every ticket, and that's roughly, depending on the theater. But they make their money on the snacks and the drinks and things. So when you go and go to the snack bar, yeah, it's a little high price. It's convenient, but that's how the theater generally makes its money. And if you could sell two things of popcorn to the same person for the same movie, good things. All right, Dave, what do you have? I have a list. I came up with a couple of things. And the first one... 
they're starting to make a bit of a comeback right now, but I think on a temporary basis. I'd like to see it more permanently back. Now, in northern Minnesota, that might be tricky in the wintertime, but I'd love to see drive-ins come back, drive-in movie theaters. I wholeheartedly co-sign this. I want this. I've, this the, drive-ins time was before my time, so I have honestly never, ever been to an actual drive-in movie theater. I've built one one time in my garage, you know, just set the TV up and had the stereo speakers you know, lie by the door. Uh-huh. Not the same thing. It's a fun thing to be, I would imagine, because I haven't done it, in a car next to another car that's next to another car, a whole row of cars watching it. So you've got your own contained environment. you got a little speaker on your window, or sometimes they'll have a small power FM translator or something, and you tune in the radio on your radio, on the on dashboard or whatever, and you have to be within you know 100 feet or whatever of the translator, so you don't pick it up far out of town. You pretty much have to be at the movie theater to pick it up on movie frequency 100 or whatever it would be. And that would be a lot of fun. I never got the chance to do it. They do have them still around. They do exist. And even as of right now, the Beltrami County Fairgrounds, since the fair is canceled, they're talking about, and they've already run a test of doing on the grandstand a drive-in movie theater. I've been that seeing that, yeah. I, I want to go, and I want to go to a real one, too. Not you know, Not a temporary one. Nothing against what they're doing. They've got one down in, I think it's Lionel Lakes, which is a suburb of the far north metro Twin Cities area. They're a dime a dozen these days all over the country. I mean, you've got to really look to yeah. be able to find where they are and kind of seek them out. There was one, one of my, a regret of mine from college, a small regret, was that I did not get a chance to enjoy the drive-in theater that was a couple miles down the road from the school that I went to because they had one there, but... I would get I would get there. It would only run for a couple of weeks going into the early fall, and then it was done for the season. Same with then during the spring. I mean, mm. summer was the time to go there, and but you I wasn't there around it. then yeah. at, at the college. I would have had to drive back up to go see it. So I never really had the opportunity. I know Bemidji used to have one. I went once when I was a kid. I got oh. to go see Phantom Menace at a drive-in. Oh, I thought you saw that in the theater theater, not the drive-in. No, I saw it at both. Oh, okay. okay. I did. I, I saw it bo- uh, in both cases. Um, but I, it was, I only remember vague parts of, of getting to go and what the drive-in experience was like. And it, okay. I was pretty young. So I would, I've gotten invited a couple of times. And for, I can't remember, the most recently, a friend of mine had a birthday party just a couple of years ago at the, twin, at the one down in the Twin Cities. And I had something that same weekend I couldn't go. But every other time, uh, there's usually something along those lines. I got a birthday party invite to a movie, a drive-in movie theater, and there wasn't one within, I don't know, 20 miles of my house. And of course, I grew up down in the Twin Cities. Um, 20 mile, 20 minutes in the Twin Cities is a little different than 20 miles up here. A little different story. Mm-hmm. We're not going all the way across the Twin Cities. You don't need to. Eh. So I missed the opportunity, but they're not gone. There is a talk about bringing them back, but I don't want it just something temporary for the pandemic. I mean. Bring them back. The legitimate drive-ins. I don't know how it would work in this part of the world in the winter months when there's a lot of snow. Maybe it's decided by the conditions. But, you know, drive-in movie theaters, you know, with all the technology that's around now in theaters with surround sound and this and that, I don't know if you'd have a brand new first-run release movie in a drive-in theater. I think it would do fun. But I think since it's a nostalgic concept, you'd almost need to use that for the throwback nights. And that, well, if you don't mind me going two in a row, this kind of leads into things. Yes, go for I would it. love to see um, special event movie showings where on this night, and maybe for a short run, this week we're going to do this. We're going to show retro movie night and whatever that would be. And other things that tie into that, like double features. You'd buy the ticket and go to two movies, and there would usually be 
some kind of a connection. For example, I'd love to see an Indiana Jones movie, like say Raiders of, or Raiders of Lost Ark, or better yet, uh, The Last Crusade, because they're going after this map. And then follow that up with National Treasure. There's a lot of connective tissue there. They're very similar, but they're not the same. But you stay for one. You can leave if you want to. You pay the ticket to go see both. Um, you leave when you want to leave, you know, or you stay the whole way through. Or maybe it would be a family event movie for the first one, and that the second one would be the trashy horror movie or whatever for the kids that stay and the enticement for the little kids. Okay, we got to get out of here because the monsters are coming. Ah! It was something kind of fun about that. Right. I would love to see something like that on a regular theater, but I think that's the perfect tie-in for a summer weekend at the drive-in. Even if it's on the weekdays or on a weekday when you don't usually have the biggest crowds, do something special. You know, Tuesday nights tend to be generally pretty light, and that's one of the reasons that the Bemidji Theater does those special you know, special ticket prices, because now it's made it a better night. People are going to see it on a night that they generally wouldn't go see it. That's a night to have the throwback night as an opportunity, even if it's a couple of showings for one day or a couple of days, because I don't want to not see it because it sold out and there was the one movie and that's it, you know. I want to be on some club where I get the tickets for sure, and I'll sell my tickets to a friend if I can't make it. But between that and the drive-in together, that is an old-time tradition. I want it back for permanent, not just for pandemic. I completely agree with both, so much so that with that second one, I essentially had the same kind of idea, except a little bit different. You like the idea of the double feature. Is is that part of it? It's the double feature, but it's also an old-time movie as well, or an older movie? You know, we work at a radio station here, and on some occasions, for some of our shows, we can do a little programming of our own. Back in the day, the theaters could do a little programming. Yes, there's the first-run movies that are coming, and that's, that is its own thing. But if you had 10 theaters, let's say, in your building, and one of those theaters you're going to reserve for special showings, um, or at least one of the theaters will be, maybe it moves around, but that theater is for the special showings. There's a movie that's 30 years old, but we're going to show it for this week only. Get your tickets for it. And on this couple of nights or this one night, we're going to do a double feature yeah, or a triple feature. I mean, those people would do that, and you would get the programming to do it. Now, maybe in this day and age, it's a little harder to bring some retro movies back. We do a promotion called The Sweetheart Movie around Valentine's Day. We do you know romantic movies or something with sort of a, a date vibe to it. Some movies are darn near impossible to get, and sometimes it depends on the studio. You know, one studio will work with you. The other won't, you know, so maybe that's part of it. But if we found ways on the studio system and the theater system to loosen up restrictions, hey, we just want to show the show. You'll still get a percentage of the money. You're still making money off of movies that are 10, 20, 30, whatever, years old. People going to see it. People are buying popcorn. Everybody wins. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater as we are continuing discussing comeback items, things we want to see come back when it comes to movies. And the reason I asked a little bit about that second one, Dave, is because that crosses over with one of the ideas that I had. And it's that general idea of more movie theaters and more movie theater chains opening up time within their schedule to be able to show older films. Because I, I think we are so caught up sometimes in the present of the movies that are on the screen right now that I think we sometimes, and chains I think miss this sometimes, the opportunity to go back occasionally um i what i've seen is that with smaller theaters with maybe privately owned theaters take for instance i mean you do a, a cursory scan uh and i have done this of theaters in los angeles like some of the some of the little pop-up theaters that you find in la that that you can see here and there 
you look around those and it's pretty common that they are doing older older movie showings. I mean, having times where it's like, hey, let's let's do a Hitchcock night or let's do a western theme or let's let's do things like that. You can find those in in some of your larger cities with some of those more art house type of of theaters or smaller places like that that are privately owned well not even smaller alamo draft house which has become its own brand now it's not just down in texas they're all over there's one down in the twin cities i've yet to go to it and i certainly do want to um the way i mean this full experience it's very different and a lot of those and that's an official chain they've got revival nights hey we're going to bring back Whatever it is. Maybe it's something as way retro as a Bob Hope movie. Maybe it's something as we're going to do a Harrison Ford double feature, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I mean, how awesome is that? How many fanboys wouldn't just burst down the door to get in there? But imagine taking that same concept to chains like AMC, like Regal, like CEC. Imagine if they did more of that. And you don't even have to do it on like a weekend. Pick like a Wednesday night. Pick like a Monday night, maybe some of your less frequented evenings, because Thursday Thursday has become now the de facto opening night for yep. weekend releases. Then, of course, you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're making up weekend box office numbers there. During the week, I mean, the $5 movie nights on Tuesdays here in town, they're phenomenal. Yeah. The turnouts are great. You need to come early. Imagine doing a retro night on a Wednesday or on a Monday, or you say, on this night, you could expect a different, older movie every week that we are going to put on the screen. I, I think it's a tremendous idea because that is part of the experience with some of those older movies. It's not just watching them, but experiencing them on the big screen. I mentioned earlier in this episode about Lawrence of Arabia, and when I finally got to see it on the big screen, that was my movie dream, was to see that movie on the big screen. I have been dreaming of doing that for five, six, seven years now, and I finally got to go last fall and experience that it was the best movie experience i've ever had to see that movie on the big screen as it's meant to be seen i just recently got to go see jurassic park on the big screen phenomenal phenomenal i mean you you put a movie like that on a big canvas that's where it belongs i mean you mentioned jaws too yeah putting a movie like that on the big screen terrific get the surround sound in there it's that's that is part of the movie experience i mean that's why you and i have talked so often about how we want to see the theater experience cherished and continue. Um, maybe we are a little bit romantic in that in that sense, but there's something very special about that. And with some of those classics, that is part of appreciating them, is getting them back on the big screen and maybe seeing the theater chains do that a little bit more. Not just the not just your individual movie theaters that occasionally will do a little bit of that. I remember Back to the Future was down at the Chief here yeah. in town a couple of years ago. They did that during uh, during a stretch. So imagine if theater chains like some of the bigger ones where they are in maybe more places. Imagine if they did that a little bit more. Not just you have to be lucky enough to be in this place or maybe in a big city to get the chance to see some of that. And I think you made a good point. When the Chief was bringing a lot of those movies back, they were usually on a Saturday night, which is awesome. But a lot of times on a weekend, I might have plans where I'm busy or I'm out of town or whatever the case. If it's on a weeknight, if you want to go, you'll do your darndest to go so long as you can. And uh, that's one thing I would love, 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 love. I can't even tell you how much I'd love. And not just a big re-release. They're working on re-releasing Empire Strikes Back in a 4K version, which they've delayed. 
That's wonderful. That's great. And I'd love to see Empire Strikes Back and a new bolder, crisper, whatever. I don't care. I don't care if somebody brings a DVD copy and they can project that on the screen. That's, you know, that's probably not the same thing. But I would love to just see those movies as good a color and image as we can get them on the big screen and not necessarily an official re-release now with special blah 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 Just get an old movie, a great one, back up on the big screen, make it a family night. Here's one you may not have seen. Here's one that everyone's seen a hundred times. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say the dialogue along with it if you want to. Maybe. That's you know. right. Some shows. Well, maybe under your breath, because if you're in the theater, other people might not appreciate it. Rocky Horror is another one. They used to do that at the Uptown Theater in Minneapolis. They still might. And that's one where people would jump up on front of, right in front of the screen and act it out. And that's part of the show. So you oh have to, you kind of have to know that going <laughs> in. Maybe you pick one showing. All right, the nine o'clock showing is audience participation night showing, but every other show you got to sit down. If you want to be a part of it and speak back to the screen, you need to go to this show, not the other. So people that haven't seen it can go and enjoy. Do you want me to go back to back, or do you yeah, have go another ahead. one? I, I okay, back to back. Go for it. All right, let's transition then a little bit more into the movies specifically, and and some things I want to see come back. This is something that I've been observing happening a little bit more, and I'd like to see it continue to come back. A continued revisiting of old genres or film styles that have a new twist on them. Mm. Taking things that have maybe been done a little bit more commonly or frequently in the past and finding a new way to put a twist on it. I've got several examples to this. Knives Out. What did Knives Out do? It brought back the murder mystery but it did it in a a new way. It brought back even even some tropes of just like different characters within that. And what did it do? It found the donut hole inside of the donut hole. Um, and I'm I'm not even going to try to say it how Daniel Craig said it uh, in in his own CSI KFC way that that he did with it was a there. rant that worked. Yes, um, that that whole idea. It was taking the murder mystery genre and finding a new way to put a spin on it in a way that was critically well-received and was well-received by audiences, too. Here's another one. Baby Driver took the chase movie concept and put a new spin on it that was very musically inclined and very stylish. What did La La Land do? It brought back the Technicolor musical, and it brought it back with with a whole new way of being able to put a twist on it, a different style of film that's a little bit more bygone, but it ended up working extremely well. This is one that I, I think it kind of depends on the person as far as if they liked it or not. I haven't seen it, um, I, I've, but it was appreciated critically, maybe not as much by audiences, but maybe the idea was a good one. The artist bringing back like a black and white silent picture. Maybe not necessarily in the manner that the artist did it, but what about bringing back black and white films a little bit more? What about limiting dialogue a little bit more, maybe like older films? Here were some of the other ideas that I came up with. What about ways to bring back film noir a little bit more often or doing so in a black and white manner with a film noir? What about epics? You know, can we make epics less about CGI today and maybe more inclined toward, you know, can we have actual physical set pieces that go on here um, taking older concepts that were used but with the advances that we have in filmmaking, using some of those older concepts in a better way to make film epics a little bit more tight and not just CGI-reliant today. I think 
seeing a comeback of those those ideas, drawing upon movie types that have been done in the past, but putting a modern spin on them, coming up with modern ideas with them. We've seen some good examples of that recently. I think that needs to continue to come back rather than just you know having some of the, the very shoehorned types of movies that we're getting today. And I'll get more into that with another suggestion that I have. Yeah, you know, some of those, like the epics, I think we kind of just recently kind of got away from epics. You know, Alexander and all these movies that were two and a half hours long, Pearl Harbor. I we're, we're kind of in a breathing period, I feel, from that right now. I'm ready for that, you know. The epic... Those were kind of becoming reliant on CGI, though. Yeah, well, that's another one I, that's I'm going to segue into here. Okay, I actually sure. had that on my list. But I, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I like, we had a couple of good ideas, and uh, some of them just like, yeah, I've got to comment on that. Then you'd say another thing. I was like, oh, yep. I, gotta, oh I forgot the first comment. But, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. A, a lot of those bringing them back, I'm I'm a big fan of. I'd like to see a lot of those genres, as long as there's an appetite for it. Like film, film noir, they did that back with L.A. Confidential, and it was a huge hit. It really got some response. But there wasn't a follow-up in the genre. Black and White, they recently did, um, what was that movie, The Lighthouse, right? The Lighthouse? With, yes, uh, The Willem Lighthouse. Defoe. Very minimal dialogue and large spans with nobody speaking, but they're slowly losing their minds. Uh, and it was well done. Maybe not on a mass level appreciation, but from those that can appreciate fine food and fine cinema, oh my goodness, there was a big love for that. It was up for some Oscars, in fact. Um, so there's an appetite for it, but as long as you've got that palette that the director slash studio slash powers that be aren't afraid to get back into, um, Saving Private Ryan was originally going to be in black and white. That's one of the things Spielberg wanted to do. There was a, I don't know if I want to do that. So they ended up doing that washed out bleached look. So it was kind of a compromise and other movies kind of follow that to some degree also, but it kind of helped with the tone. It's a palette that some people may or may not feel comfortable using, feeling that audiences don't like. Some audiences don't want to see older black and white movies simply because they're older, they look older, and they're black and white. Oh, I have a friend who's like that, yeah. who, who's not all that big on black and white movies because it's it's just that different. It's, it's of a, a bygone time, but... When you do watch some of those films, you realize, hey, I mean, there was there was major appreciation for this back when when it was still a thing. I mean, even going into the early 60s, there were still filmmakers who chose sure. for specific movies. Yeah, we're going to go black and white with this. It just has a different kind of effect with it that we would like to grab hold of. It's interesting. Talk about Psycho, for example. A lot of people that, that was saw exactly that, what I was thinking of. A lot of people vividly remember seeing red blood in the shower the whole movie's black and white except for red blood no there is no red blood the whole movie is black and white in fact they use chocolate syrup chocolate is not red they use chocolate syrup for the blood in the shower poscos if i'm not mistaken so there was no red but it was such a thing where it's like the shark and jaws you don't see it as much as you think you do but your mind takes you there. Your mind fills in those gaps. Your mind makes that blood red. A lot of people remember such a gory, I don't know why I'm going horror here, but I am, makes you know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a gore fest. It really isn't. There's very, very, very minimal blood in the first one, the original. Sequels and remakes are a whole other thing. But the original, it was more of a psychological thing that just terrified you. Your mind fills in those gaps. So using some of that artistic ability to give you a tone your brain will fill in the rest correct and make it the other half of that coin which makes it an even more fulfilling experience yeah i'd like to see call it a palette 
that that a lot of people nowadays are going into more of a mainstream approach. Well, this is the way we're making movies now. That's great, but you could distinguish yourself. Don't lose these skills. Learn how to write cursive, so to speak, so you don't lose that skill. Same thing with the movie techniques. Don't just do it all in CGI. Do it in camera or a lot of those effects generations down the road. Well, I don't know how to do that. Nobody does that. We just go to the computer now. Are you building into one of your other comeback ideas then with that? Slightly, idea? slightly. Okay. I was still commenting on what you were saying, but yes, I suppose we could take that turn. Sure. I would, you know, and you could tell where we're going. I'd like to see less reliance on CGI VFX, you know, so computer generated visual effects and more in camera stuff. And when you do that, there's such an appreciation for what you've done. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I'll bring up one of your favorite filmmakers. He's well. He's not like he won't use CGI. Of course he does. There's some things that there's no way we could do this at all, or we could do it safely, or the cost is way too high to try to do this in camera. So they'll use in-camera effects, and there's a lot of trickery to that. That doesn't mean you do it for real. The Batmobile jumping from roof to roof, they didn't do that in real life. That was miniatures, but they really did it and filmed it in-camera, so there's very little visual effects. Um, the big compound in Inception on the winter ski hill, whatever you want to call it, in, in the dream within the dream within the dream within the dream, was a miniature. So when they collapsed it, it's it's all collapsing for real. And I like the fact that there's actual can, something physically intangible about a movie that you can see and touch and taste that's actually there, that once the movie's done, maybe they'll have it on a display somewhere. And wow, that was really cool. Whether it's a matte painting, whether it's a, something that somebody actually holds, but how many props would you get from The Phantom Menace? It was pretty much all CGI, except for the lightsaber hilts, maybe. Um, but there's really nothing to touch and taste and feel. Even this character didn't exist. I'd like to see the mask. There isn't a mask. It was all CGI. It's, it's nice to see... Things that are done in old world ways with a new spin on them because they're not out of phase. You can very much believe what you're seeing is real and you start asking the question, how do they do that? Nowadays, you just know it's CGI. And if you find out that it's not CGI, then you go back to the, well, then how did they do that? If it wasn't a computer graphic, how did they make that happen? We've had such advances in technology that I think with film, the advances in technology led to a gravitation toward the ease of CGI, the the quote-unquote ease, because it's yeah. not easy to, to put all of that together. But it is still a option that is nice to reach out and grab when it's at your disposal, compared to thinking of, well, okay, how do we use those same advances in technology to our use for set design, for costume design, for... Things like that. How do we use those same kind of technological advances in these elements as well? That's why with the use of miniatures, you can do that a little bit better. Because you've got better filmmaking technology at your disposal. You've got better cameras at your disposal. You've got better equipment at your disposal to maybe use miniatures in a good way. Like what you mentioned with Inception. Um, you've got better access to, to all these different technologies. So why not use them as far as some of those old filmmaking techniques, rather than an over-reliance on CGI, it has its place, and it can be used well if it's used skillfully and not overused. Look at the example of the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the recent one. I mean, that was a marvelous use of oh, modern CGI and using it to its full potential of what you can do with it, and not just CGI, but also... Um, body acting and, and positional acting, like what, what with 
Andy Serkis does and the way that he works and and something that he has built a career upon. But that's still CGI. You're replacing a, yeah. an actor. He's got motion capture suits on and every little tweak he does. That was what I was looking for, motion oh, capture. Oh, yeah, you just remove yep. them and you put in Gollum or you put in the ape or you put in King right. Kong. Or, and it, it just, it really works. Yeah, that's using it to to its best you know some have used it to its worst as in it's just going to be kind of an excuse we're going to rely upon it a ton to be able to make things come to life that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise but but then when it all comes to life it just looks very fake and people are not they're not sold on that quite as much as maybe when the cgi revolution was just starting but use some of those new techniques to to go into use of miniatures or use of other filmmaking ideas like what you had talked about well when you rely on cgi for everything uh in some cases yeah i could see where that's going to come in but there is such a thing as bad cgi i'll give you an example and it'll pull you right out of the movie too i like the movie air force one harrison ford and air force one gets hijacked now there's a spoiler coming ahead so heads up if you haven't seen it um but it's a great movie and it's a, it's a well done one and then at the end air force run runs out of gasoline they get everybody off except for the one bad guy and the plane crashes into the ocean. It was a bad effect even for a video game at the time that movie came out, which was, what, 96, 97, something like that, that movie came out. It looks very, very fake. How could you not just take a Model 747 Air Force One model and crash it into a controlled environment tank in camera, slow motion, make it look real, get a lot of camera angles on it, and make it look like it really hit? It looks like a cutscene and a bad one at that, of a video game. And when it's over, whether you think the movie was fun or not fun or whatever, it takes you right out of you. Like, oh, that's totally fake. The shark in Jaws looks fake, but you believe that it's there because it really was there. Yes. And it was a real prop that really didn't work very well, but it worked and it is what it is. That airplane crashes. I don't even believe it's an airplane. How can you not go to the hobby store, get a model airplane, get the option to put Air Force One decals on it and chuck it into the lake and even with your GoPro, you could make it look better yeah. than it did when the Hollywood magic failed to make the magic happen. Well, with Jaws, they took something that didn't work in the original sense, and they still made it work yeah. by use of the barrels. terror yeah. and by use of, of intimidation, and the music helped as well. Um, they created that sense of fear, and then they used what they had very well. Like with the head popping out of the water, that's a whoa kind of moment that's a oh my gosh this thing is enormous and forget about bigger boats i'm gonna need more absorbent pants <laughs> yeah that too they found a way to still make it work by adjusting the way that they filmed it oh absolutely they yeah. used they used what was working against them as a plus that's right and that is go read the history of jaws in fact i saw a time magazine at the grocery store rack right now that if i didn't have a kid i would have got that thing and left it out for me to read, but it's a great story, the fascinating behind-the-scenes making of Jaws. It's amazing they made it at mm-hmm. all. I, I, here's a, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't talked actor yet. Here's an actor that I love, and I'd love to see him come back. He's still around, but he's just kind of doing his own thing, and good for him. But I would love me some more Billy Crystal. I miss some Billy Crystal. He is funny. He is real and relatable and down-to-earth. And in a lot of those things, he's kind of like, he could do a great comedy that's side-splitting, but would actually also be like a balm, 
like City Slickers. You know, it's got a message to it. It's not still just a great movie just because it's funny. It's a couple of guys that are still bonding. It's, in some cases, friends getting together or brothers coming together and finding ways to heal a rift between you with a lot of laughs in between, not just hosting the Oscars and making it work. I like Billy Crystal and darn near everything he does. And I would love to, and especially when he's involved in um, some of the behind the scenes stuff, he's directed a couple of things. Yeah, not a lot, but a few things. And they're good. Um, but when he gets involved and he puts his kind of Billy Crystal stamp on it, if you've seen a lot of his movies, you probably understand what I mean by that. It just is such a brand of comedy that I love and I miss. And I'd love to see it come back. And I think it's relatable for a lot of different generations. You know, and at the very least, as you get older, maybe a movie about old elderly parents, let's say, doesn't speak to the generation of the up-and-comers. But that movie sticks around long enough, and eventually it speaks to you, too, as you get older. Some of those jokes I see uh, when I was a kid, I didn't understand a lot of them, but I loved the movie. Now I'll see the movie now because my kiddo is seeing it like I did when I was a kid, and now I'm getting a whole bunch more jokes that were always there that I never understood because they were written to kind of include the adults, mm-hmm. but were over my head. Well, now I'm getting it. You know, I would love to see some Billy Crystal come back. There's kind of a whimsy and a charm about him oh, that yeah. seems to exist. Uh, I mean, I, most of what I've seen of him has been when he's hosted at the Oscars. I've seen him in a few in a few movies as well. But he he's very he's got a versatility about him. But there's also this this whimsical feeling about oh, him yeah. too. Oh yeah, one of my favorite movies he did was called Forget Paris. It wasn't a huge hit. But it's in the vein of when Harry met Sally. He and Deborah Winger, he directed it also and co-wrote it, but also starred in it. And it's about this this man and woman that meet, but circumstances just won't permit them to be together, and they're always broken apart. And the story is being told through flashbacks by a group of their friends gathering at the table. Slowly by slowly, the next one comes in, and they bring the next part of the story. And it's just, will they make it? Will they not make it? And you don't know until the very end whether they're going to show up together as a couple or not at all, you know? And it's, it's extremely whimsy. It's very well done. It's got a big tie into sports because his character in the movie is an NBA referee. So all these <laughs> NBA stars at the time uh, are showing up in the movie as he would, you know, during like halftime or whatever, they would have Great. current stars or even older stars. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had been retired for a long time at this point, but even he showed up as an active player. And so during halftime at, you know, at Madison Square Garden, they would start filming some of these scenes with a full crowd. Billy Crystal would be refereeing all this stuff, and they some funny jokes. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's not a major, major hit, but I recommend it highly. Billy Crystal, come on back, Bubba. We miss you. I was trying to think of an actor or an actress who I would want to to see come back in some form. I think I would have to have a little bit more time to maybe come up with something like that, so I'll, I'll have to bookmark that for the future. Most of mine were conceptual, but I, I was glad you came up with somebody or, or thought of somebody specific for that. There's people I'd like to see come back, but they're kind of slowly wrapping it up. Jack Nicholson's been gone for a while. We've kind of talked about that. Sean Connery is pretty well retired. He's announced as much. Gene Hackman's a writer now, I would I'd wanted, love to see him back. I would have wanted to see Daniel Day-Lewis come back and keep, keep yeah. doing work but of course he he retired as well so yeah they're all kind of yeah those people who maybe you would say they should come back and do some more they've kind of wrapped it up more or less for various different reasons uh rick moranis has been retired for the longest time but apparently he's starting to make some sort of a comeback i think i've I've read about i don't know the specifics and right now everything's on hold 
So, I mean, I, that's one thing. I'd love to see veteran character actors that were around for a long time that kind of went away, make come back, maybe sort of like a, a, pulp, a pulpy cast where everybody you know, sort of. You might not know their name, but I he was in another movie filled with everybody. No newcomers at all. Everybody is some sort of a veteran character actor or something. Well, there was there was one area where I was like maybe maybe this would be a group of people who I'd want to see come back, but at the same time they they fit such a niche genre during the time that I'm not sure if it would really be worthwhile. Some of those 90s teen actors who we would always see all the time. Like where a lot of them drifted off into television in different respects like I'm here's a couple of names that are coming to mind. Like Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. They've, they've kind of drifted off into other areas of interest yeah. that, that are kind of away from movies. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even sure if, if, like, if them coming back would be, would be something where I'm like, okay, they've, they've got a definite area where they could, they could really make, carve out a name for themselves all over again in, in the movies today. But it's like some of those 90s teen actors. You know they were pretty fun at the time. I mean, you watch back some of those movies, and it's like these were these were really entertaining. Like I, a couple of weeks ago, I got to watch Clueless for the first time on Netflix. Okay. What a hilarious movie! Yeah. I I, re- I remember we did that as the uh, the sweetheart movie a couple of years ago, and I didn't get to go watch. And I was like, this is hysterical. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone is great, but it, they were they were all. Um, those examples and plenty more. They all had specific kinds of movies that they were able to do that were a lot more in vogue at the time. And it's like, if they were to jump back in and come back at this time, they'd have to kind of find their, a new angle to work from as far as in the movies of today. But but for the time that they were in, boy, those movies were were funny. So if you came up, I mean, if you could do it as a gimmick where everyone is a star, but they're only in it briefly. A lot of those all star movies rarely work there are exceptions oceans 11 um and others too um but it wouldn't be about that it's got to be about the story where the story would be yes. just for an example it'd be a pulp fictiony story where there's a lot of characters that come in and come out of the story mm-hmm. but if those faces were those that you knew and it's that's an added bonus that's the varnish on top of the fine wood that you're building that's a great it's got to be a good story a good interest that you're a part of, whether it's like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, another Tarantino movie, where it's more about the characters than it is about the plot until the very end when it's more about the plot than the characters. Uh, the, the characters that you've been watching for two and a half hours finally collide with a plot. That's it's right. basically how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that's not to say that it's not entertaining. It's a good movie. It's just different. But what if those characters are played by people that, you kind of know the gas station attendant. Well, let's get Sarah Michelle Geller back for one day. We'll get her to, you know, be a chain smoker, you know, with a couple of interesting lines while she's ringing you up at the thing. And that's it. She did one day of filming moving on, but it's an interesting part. It's the interesting dialogue. The story is interesting. And in the next scene later, you see somebody else that I think I would, she, even if it's just a character actor that I, I know him, but I don't know. Exactly. For, and the again, ba- yeah. for Batman Begins, Shane Rimmer is an example. It's a name that you, like, who? Who's Shane Rimmer? He was in the original Superman movies. He was all over the place. He was a character actor, third guy on the left with a line. He'd be like the director at NASA or whatever. And you just kind of knew him from that era. And they yep. brought him back as the main, not the conductor of the subway running amok, but the guy in charge of the control tower. If they get under that tower, it's going to blow. It was kind of a love letter to fans of that genre. Here's this guy that played a similar similar role mm-hmm. in DC movies earlier in the past. We're bringing him back. Things like that would be a 
hoot and a half. Oh, yeah. And again, these people may have other involvements and projects that they have going on right now, but it would still be kind of cool to to see them back in a capacity like that. Yeah. Um, and in a way, like you said, where maybe it's it's somewhat understated if the, it would be the return, but maybe a bridge to more. Yeah. So. All right, I've got a couple more ideas. I've, I've got two more that, that are sticking out. One was, I want to see a return of smart comedies. Smart comedies. Here are some examples. No hard R. I think comedies today feel like they have to be hard R, and I, I think that's limiting. If they are just going hard R, sure, you, you can go that route, but I think all of them try to go that route where it's hard R where they, they do the crude humor kind of bit. Humor today is, is, is more mean spirited. Sometimes it feels like, and when I see comedy type movies that are coming out, it feels like they have a mean kind of spirit to them a little bit more with the way that their attitude is. I want to see comedies that, that have more of a widespread audience appeal that, that have that R label taken off. Maybe it's PG 13, Maybe it's on that PG, PG-13 border, maybe, but maybe you go that route a little bit more often so that you have a more widespread audience appeal that would come with that then. Get some skilled writers in the room. Get some people who are, are going to put some good, you know, quick-witted dialogue that's going to come. Out of out of the writing room. That's going to be that, that's going to get some chuckles, like and that maybe flies under the radar a little bit more with the way that it works. That just makes you laugh, just laugh like a deep throated laugh, not a not a oh ha kind of laugh. But oh it's my a, gosh, I can't believe they're doing that on camera. But more of a that's that's genuinely funny kind of laugh. And and I would want to see that be the kind of of comedy that would utilize the talents then of the 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 main actors who you've got within that i i think if you would bring back smart comedies like that i think that would help with a revival of for instance the romantic comedy scene i think that would help revive maybe something like that a genre that has largely gone dormant with a few exceptions crazy rich asians was a recent exception to that that rule but you don't see quite as many of those anymore like when you watch some of those successful romantic comedies of the 90s even go back many decades back to like the 40s the 50s the 60s there's there's some clever writing in some of those some genuinely funny writing like this wit or this drier humor that that comes through it but it and it it just kind of permeates through and there's this crackle of the back and forth of the dialogue of of those actors you could get a lot out of out of them if you focus in on a smart comedy rather than let's let's go for those punchlines you know no why not let the punchline be a constant string of back and forth dialogue why not rolling let it thunder. be exactly rolling thunder like that um I, I think it would see a revival of many genres that have gone away and I, I would love to see that come back a little bit more not just not just going for crude humor or laughs that are that are based on R-rated kind of gags because again I think you're going to get a more widespread audience that will that will be in the theater for that. You know Martin Scorsese recently controversially said that a lot of those Marvel movies and movies today aren't cinema. He's not wrong necessarily, but he is wrong. I think it is, but a lot of other genres that were more, you know, if that's sugar cereal and good sugar cereal at that, don't don't get me wrong. If that's the only brand that's on the that's on the shelves now, you know, and a lot of the movies they would make other movies 
just aren't coming out of the big screen because they're just not making that kind of money. They're going to direct video or streaming. I mean, one of the better comedies I can remember seeing that we would recommend when it first came out is, if you're having a bad day, go see this movie. Remember what about Bob? Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss, what a funny movie. It is just, it's a laugh out loud, and it's not something crude or zany. And I got nothing against the Harold and Kumar movies or Superbad. Those are a riot, but that's just one genre. But if you had a lot of movies that had some serious issues and a good story, John Hughes made a career of it. A lot of teenage movies were just zany, stupid, <laughs> summer camp movies like Meatballs. Nothing against Meatballs. And so many movies come out that fall in lockstep with each other on that kind of path. Well, if you make a good movie, everyone wants to do what you did because they yep. want to make the movies. But John Hughes came along and started making movies that spoke to teenagers about teenage issues. Watch Breakfast Club. That movie is just as much a drama as it is a comedy. But it's got some good zingers and it, the kids interact very naturally because at that point I think all the kids are like 25. <laughs> and Judd Nelson, he was not 18 when they filmed that movie. But they make it work and they've got yeah. some serious weighty issues and they're talking about things that kids are you know, really struggling with, how to fit in and suicide. and I mean, big, big issues. But it's funny and it it's... It's a way that when the movie's done, it's a breath of air that comes in and you let out some anxiety at the same time. And it's a classic for a lot of reasons. And a lot of those movies were still classics today, you know, certainly cemented for all time in the 80s because that's when he really struck. Um, But boy, you know, those kind of things are gone. You get movies now that are yuck, yuck, yucks. Nothing against that. But that's the only brand. If only we're making now as widgets, every movie now is a widget, whether it's about superheroes, and they do them well, don't get me wrong, in a lot of cases, not all of them. Let's broaden that horizon just a little bit. I do believe movies like Field of Dreams, I don't know if they would make a movie like that nowadays, or at least not put it out theatrically on a big screen. Well, you know, there's no aliens, and the ghosts aren't really ghosts, and it's just... It's, but it, what a wonderful movie. That movie made generations of... <laughs> still does. It still does. Yeah. That's not just an accident, and it's not because they're throwing onion water in your face as, nope. a, as a marketing gimmick. It's legitimate. Yeah. It, it brings you yeah. into the ride, and it ta- and it just holds you in such a way and gently lets you off, and you walk out of that theater just feeling sad but better. You know? They don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Need of a comeback. All right, any others you've this, got in mind? This kind of, I got two more, but one leads into that. Where you talked about, you know, serious adult comedies and you know, big person comedies, serious comedies. Serious thrillers are ones that are not really around. I remember there used to be all kinds of political thrillers. Of course, nowadays you just watch the Good Morning America and you get a political thriller every day this week. But, you know, other bigger things where what did the president know and when did he know it? You know, but I mean like on a um, what was a murder movie, Mur- Murder at 1900 Pennsylvania Avenue, where the president or his chief of staff may have killed somebody. Police have to investigate. I was Gene Hackman, I think it was. Okay. Um, anyway, it was from the 90s. It wasn't the best, but there's a lot that are great. The Presidio was a great movie. Um, Kevin Costner made a career of this. The Untouchables. You know, these were some great shows that weren't designed for kids to come and see them. You know, a lot of times now they'll make a movie based on marketing decisions and you're seeing a craftsmanship just squeezed right out of it. We've got a great story. Yeah, but the kids aren't going to come. So what? It's not for kids. Yeah, but they're the bulk of the... I don't care. Dave, you and I are on the same page today, man, because that's going to lead into my last Air one. Five. We'll <laughs> We'll get to that in a moment. But anyway, continue. <laughs> I'd like to see more of those where 
Um, there was a great sort of a dramedy that I really do like. Um, oh, Charlie Wilson's War is a good example. Tom oh, Hanks, yeah. Julia yep. Roberts. And it's a true story. And it's a bizarre story. Like, this is totally fiction. It's not. It really happened. And in a lot of ways, similar to you see in the movie, if you read about it. And that's kind of an example. It's not what I would call a thriller. It's more of a comedy, a dramedy, you could call it that. But it also has some tie-ins to what would lead into 9-11 in a way. So it obviously deals with some serious issues. Right. Deals with the rise of the Mujahideen and how they would morph into the Taliban. Our allies became our enemies. And it's weird the way that that happened when Charlie Wilson, a U.S. senator, decided to assist these guys who were fighting the communists for us. So we helped them. And we helped them win and get them out of Afghanistan, which is its own history lesson. But it's a great movie. It's a comedy with a lot of drama in it, too, and very, apparently, historically accurate as far as the broad strokes go. But, you know, movies like that, which were made for adults that were fun and funny or dramatic, um, or in this case, thrillers, and things that dealt with bigger issues that were, wow, that's interesting. There were times, like the movie War Games, for example, great 80s movie, but it's a serious movie. I remember I'd read... When, uh, when Ronald Reagan was the president, they watched it in the movie theater that's in the White House. And he actually stopped the projection and asked if any of that was possible. And the CIA guy or it was Secret Service, whoever, well, we'll look into it. They came back and said, not only could it happen, it really could happen. So they had to upgrade the security a little bit. So movies can interact and interfere with real life. But when they're all zany teen comedies... No, you're not letting your mind go. You're letting the marketing department go. And how many of these movies come out that just straight up bomb? Because the marketing fizzled. You know, just come up with a good story. Get some good ingredients in there. Use minimal frosting if you need to, but make the cake good, and it will be good. Dave, That, uh, like I said, that builds exactly into the the next idea that I had, which go uh, I'll, I'll piggyback off of what you were just saying there a little bit, because my idea was... Focus more on story rather than a target demographic. That was yeah. that, that's one thing that I want to see come back is a better focus on the story rather than let's try to hit a certain demographic with this element, this element, this element, all included within our movie. I think you can come up with a multitude of examples of movies that have either bombed or not been quite as successful today, even some very big tentpole movies that have been saddled with a feeling of we need to appeal to this target demographic or this one, and then you lose sight of story within that as a result. And what you were saying there just led perfectly into that because um, I think there's there's so much time that gets spent in the marketing room that you lose sight of that. Now, I don't want to completely discount the work that goes into marketing and planning a movie. I mean, that's essential today, especially because studios are trying to make a profit. They're trying to turn a profit in a in a field where it's getting harder to do so. And and that is certainly um without question a truth within the the movie industry is that turning a profit is getting tough with how many people are going out to the theater and how are you trying to appeal to them. Well, I I think you've got to remember to focus on just how important the story itself is rather than our market research suggests this, suggests that. Put together a story and go back to that idea of Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. If you put together a good story, that people will come, even if maybe it's not their genre. Man, I am not a romantic comedy fan by any stretch, but there are still rom-coms that I watch and I go, 
this is a really good movie. Sleepless in Seattle is a very good movie. Notting Hill is a very good movie, and they found ways to make it work and appeal to a guy who's not a romantic comedy fan at all by putting together some actually really good ideas that went into those movies. It's like, you know what? It can be done. It can be done. You just have to put a little bit more into the story than letting your market research dominate your mind. I agree. I think uh, if you build it, they will come. Well, the adults aren't coming. Well, you've spent about two decades now making movies for the, no offense, lowest common denominator. You know, everyone likes exploding this, this, and this, but not a lot of adults. Younger folks do. And there's a lot of, I haven't seen a lot of the DC movies. I could tell you that um, Justice League was going to be a bad movie. Had no desire to see it. Have yet to this day see it. And the only way I will see it is if I trip over it. And I feel like putting the remote down, well, let's see how bad it was. Honestly, that's when I'm going to see the movie. But they designed that movie for people that just don't care. They like The Flash. And that's fine. There's that demographic. But those that like a little meat and potatoes with their cake. And you're not just talking out. about Barry Allen. Well, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of people, a lot of adults that look <laughs> for more substance have learned and been conditioned. Let's put it that way. They've been conditioned to understand that a lot of those movies coming out aren't worth their time. So they're not coming. So the movies that they used to go see, they're not making them anymore. But Hollywood for a long time lived on pre-glitz. And there's always a degree of glitz in these movies, but I don't know of even classics like The Godfather where they make anymore. Because those are movies with a lot of, what's the term? Talking. There's a lot of talking in those movies. <laughs> a lot of plot in those movies. I don't remember Robert Duvall landing in what a special a concept, spaceship right, out in the yard in the compound to tell, you know, I don't remember him running in to tell Sonny about the other mafia group coming in. But that's what a marketing group would have them do it now. What if we made it a space mafia? What are you talking about? You know, here's a story. Make the story. And, of course, it's based on, you know, book. But um, those are kind of movies they don't make anymore. And not because there isn't an appetite for it. It's because the adults don't show up as much as the kids do. That's always been the case. But that's not to say you're not going to get a healthy return. I wouldn't make a $200 million talking movie like that. You can make them for a heck of a lot cheaper, but the way that a lot of those movies are made, are re- you spent how much on what? Well, if it's not up on the screen, where does the money go? You know, special you can effects- be modest with it in that sense, and you'll sure. still do well. Yeah. Sure. You know, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and the first movie was huge. Not that great a movie, though. The second movie was going to be like a TV movie. And they're like, we got to make this a Thank big Thank goodness mo- it wasn't. We want to make it on a TV budget. And they made it so well that it's, to this day it holds up spectacularly. And you don't realize how cheap that movie was made for. Granted, some of the sets had already been built for the first movie. Well, we're not going to redesign the ship. We'll just use that. And even certain shots were reused. But it was made very yeah. much on the cheap. Yeah. Even old costumes. Can we reuse these in some way they and did. re-dye them? Yes. It looks spectacular because every nickel is right there on the screen rather than, well, X million went to this guy who didn't do a very good performance and this producer that just is there in name only. If you really work for it, you can make them cheap, you can make them well, and you can make them that audiences will enjoy. It's got the steak and potatoes with the frosting. Right on. Last one from you? Last one for me. Some, something simple, something fun, but nowadays I want to see some adjustments made in movie trailers. They're all the same, and they all have... This feels like a fix-it. Or are you still going to see I'm, I'm working see something towards something specific that okay. I want to see come back. They all seem to be the same, and they all have... I wouldn't even call it music. It's like a tone. And then there's a punchline, or there's a big set-piece explosion. But they always have these words, can, throw up on the screen, you... 
What about the guy? I want to see the trailer voice come back. Now, I yes! Know, I know Absolutely. some of the guys. Don, La, Don LaFontaine, who's a Minnesotan, he's from Duluth. Unfortunately, he's not around anymore. But Again, was, I wholeheartedly endorse this. This he is was a great the guy idea. That sounded like this. Just bring back a voice. There's a hundred great voices that are really magical on the screen. You watch 40s and 50s trailers, 60s trailers. There's so much of that. I don't want to yeah, see that great. necessarily. I want to see the atmospheric. There's a couple of guys that I could name that were really good at what they did. They made you want to see it. Whether it was comedy, whether it was a horror movie, whether it was an action, you know, sci-fi space movie. Not every movie had to have a voice, but back then, darn near every one of them did. And it's you don't have to have them all, you know. I think every movie had a trailer. Then you had a few that didn't have the voice, and that well, let's try to. So that's fine. But that whole palette just got removed. It's still an option. Bring it back. I would also like to, along those lines, just as a sidecar, see the the snippet trailer return, or even like the stylized trailer that has. Think of like Alfred Hitchcock. Talking to the audience within the trailer of the birds, you know, oh, think yeah. of something like that as he stands next to a bird cage, you know, something like that. Let's let's see that come back a little bit too. Trailers where um, it's a very stylized kind of introduction to the movie with a few clips thrown in. Now it's we're going to reveal half the plot to you, or in some cases three quarters of the plot. And it's like, what really? We're getting all of this. I don't know. Let's let's let a trailer create intrigue and interest in a different way. Here's a good one for your assignment. Go get on YouTube and go look up a documentary trailer called Comedian. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld did it, and it's really what it is is a documentary. But the trailer for it featured the guy I talked about, Don LaFontaine. He was one of the famous voices for trailers. He was originally from Duluth, and it's him. You actually see him going into the audio booth, <clears throat> coughing into the mic, and doing the trailer, and he starts getting a little crazy. Uh, Don, that's not what we're doing. We're going to do it this way. No, we're going to do it this way. And it's him and the sound engineer kind of bantering back and forth. There's not one frame of footage shown from the movie. But it was a great trailer. It got you interesting. I want to see more of that. I would love to see more where, and this is, leads a little more into fix-it territory, I guess, but maybe more of a comeback. There's too many spoilers given away in trailers, too, and I think we may have talked about this before. I'd like to see directors have more control over their trailers, or at least the option to do it. If they want to surrender it, fine. But a lot of those trailers, you can tell there's five guys at the studio making every trailer the same way over and over. Nothing different, nothing creative. It's but the but the but it's assembly line trailer manufacturing. I'd like to see the artistic merits, just like going to the movies, go into the trailers. Because the whole design is to make you want to see the movie. But if that trailer and that trailer and that trailer that all played before the movie I'm about to see are the same trailer, pretty much. Insert different text, insert different actors, different scenes, but the same trailer. Why do I want to see those movies anymore? It doesn't make me want to go. Make them creative. I remember some of the best things were the trailers. Watching the scene of, you know, watching the trailers was almost more fun than watching the movies. The E! Network used to have a show. That's all it was. Coming attractions. It just showed trailer after trailer. I loved that. Sitting in the hotel room and they had the shows on, you know, the in-house, you know, video on demand, whatever, pay-per-view. And I would just sit there with my brother and watch these cool movies that were coming up. Just the trailers, you know, and just, wow, that looks awesome. Did you see the movie? No, I didn't need to. You saw the trailer. It was awesome. You know, and that's great. It makes you hungry to see the movie, and sometimes the movie doesn't live up to the trailer, and other times it does. So 
Dave, there are some days when we come to do this podcast where we have just got it going on in terms of being on the same wavelength, and today was one of those days, I would say. Rolling together. (laughs) Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Talking about things we want to see come back in the movies today, and obviously we want to see a lot of similar things come back. We like retro. You can hear that 70s kind of funk music coming back in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been fun. We'll bring it back, and I can't wait to get back to the movies. Yeah. They will get back. I will be there when the vaccine is ready. (laughs) I'm going to take my risks in a very calculated way and not just throw it caution to the wind. Righto. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Healthy Dave Brooks. And we will see you eventually at the movies.